In regards to the PCR, there is a book titled Forensic Science and Encyclopedia of History, Methods, and Techniques by William J. Tilstone, Kathleen A. Savage, and Leigh A. Clark. On page 48, we find them discussing the case of Timothy Wilson Spencer, who was the first man executed in the United States based on DNA evidence using the PCR. Um, he was otherwise known as the South Side Strangler. And so here we go down to Lou on the, on the page of 48 here of this book. Um, in 1983, scientist Carrie Mullis developed the technique known as the polymerase chain reaction, PCR, that ultimately revolutionized molecular biology, including forensic DNA analysis. Mullis and members of the CETUS Corporation, C-E-T-U-S, first described the process in 1985, for which he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1993. PCR allowed scientists to make millions of copies of specific DNA sequences of interest in a relatively short time. As previously mentioned, RFLP analysis required a relatively large starting sample. Because crime scene samples are often minute, degraded, or otherwise compromised, PCR offered the forensic DNA analysis world an opportunity to create copies of isolated DNA. Through PCR, forensic DNA analysis essentially became more rapid and sensitive. With PCR available, scientists sought other markers by which to differentiate and identify individuals. The human leukocyte antigen involved in the immune response was known to be a polymorphic protein. Thus, forensic scientists looked to the DNA coding for this protein and in 1991 developed the DQ-alpha test named after the variable region of DNA at this location. Okay, I'm going to skip over all this other stuff because it's gets to be a little, um, talking about, okay. Due to sensitivity imparted by PCR, forensic DNA and analysts were able to obtain a set of types of profile for these loci from a very small starting amount of sample. However, the entire process still proved labor-intensive due to required probing and detection processes and the discriminatory power of the test was less than optimal for forensic analysis. Um, Okay. And so they're talking about sequencing 
and this RFLP. Later in the 90s, short tandem repeats of or STR testing appeared in forensic DNA analysis. Okay, that's more about sequences. Sequences and the genome. Just the differentiating factors of DNA um, amplification, analysis. Okay, here we go. So much earlier, scientists had developed means of labeling nucleotides, the building blocks of DNA, which are also added in the PCR process with fluorescent tags. This would become important later on, although initial tests using, well, this is stuff that people just aren't familiar with, but basically the PCR is all about the DNA analysis. And I've been trying to get this through everyone's heads for a long time now because people are still getting tested with the PCR, which makes absolutely no sense. Okay. The Timothy Wilson Spencer case mentioned previously was the first in which DNA evidence was used to convict a person resulting in a death sentence. Convicted in 1989, Spencer was executed in 1994. Also in 1989, Gary Dotson in Illinois became the first person to be exonerated and have his conviction overturned based on DNA testing. And Australia saw its first court case involving DNA evidence. Desmond Appleby in Australia was pinpointed by DNA from his blood sample, which matched that of the blood and semen on the victim's clothing. As much attention has been directed at exoneration of innocence as to conviction over the decade and a half since 1990. However, DNA overall has not been as readily accepted in the courts as some of its forensic science counterparts, such as drug chemistry or toxicology. Where were you when the O.J. Simpson verdict was announced? Most recall the June 1994 murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Okay, let's see. That's when the, that's when DNA analysis was brought into the mainstream conversation. Um, but they don't really talk about the PCR there. So let's see. Anyway, I just want everyone to reference, that's the main point, is Timothy Wilson Spencer was um, executed based on evidence, DNA analysis with the PCR. So I want people to really study what the PCR really is and what it's been used for. And the inventor, Carrie B. Mullis, his words... It cannot tell you if you're sick. He stated this on video. And there's, I've done podcasts on the man. I have, 
shared a lot of his quotes, interviews, watched many of his videos, shared them. And I find myself repeating this information because there's a lot of people that are late to the party that are just now realizing what's been going on. So even though I may sound like I'm being repetitive, I kind of am just to catch everyone up on the truth because some people are just finding this out. So thank you for tuning in. Yet another case solved by forensic files. This is an old case of a woman named Marlene Major. This is a 20-year-old cold case solved with a PCR. So she was a 25-year-old mother of two. She and her children lived with her husband, Bill Major. To an outsider, this was a perfect family. One day, Marlene went missing. Nobody knew where she was. The only thing she had taken was her car. When asked, her husband Bill said that she had gotten in her car after a fight and driven away. He even made sure to tell the children. Lilana, who was four, and Donald, who was nine, that their mother was a drug addict who had abandoned them. For over 20 years, this case would go unsolved. With a verbal confession and a lot of effort on Lolana's part, Marlene's killer would be caught better late than never. So I'm going to skip over because everyone can research this story. Just wanted you to have the name. Um, so let's see. I'm just going to get to the part about the DNA. Okay. So, um, Lalana found out that a year after her mother's disappearance, a hunter had found a human skull in the neighborhood. However, back then, the bone was badly decomposed, had no teeth, and so no evidence could be found. Forensic science had advanced a lot since then in that those 20 years anyway she found out that it, there was a new forensic testing that could identify the skull that had been kept for 20 years even though it was badly decomposed a technique used to obtain what they called dinosaur dna could be used on humans as well well i guess that that was anyway uh, the DNA is not from the nucleus, but from the mitochondria, which children inherit from their mother only. Lalana and Marlene's other relatives were willing to pay for the test. This test, which was approximately back then $20,000. However, officials in Kentucky then offered to pay for the test. The way they extracted the mitochondrial DNA was by freezing a piece of the skull with liquid nitrogen, then crushing it into a fine powder. This powder is then placed into a vial with DNA extraction buffer and further amplified. Keyword, amplification using the PCR so that there would be enough to test it. They amplify the DNA with the PCR, and that's 
its primary use. Using computer software, scientists compared the mitochondrial DNA sequences from the skull to the one found in Lalana's saliva. The DNA was an exact match. So based on this evidence and from uh, the diary that, this, that Marlene Major kept, prosecutors concluded that Marlene's murder was premeditated. They believed that Bill killed Marlene with his handgun, then dismembered her body and scattered it over the country so that it could not be found. This time... A dog's DNA was used with the PCR in the mid-90s. Um, a young couple by the name of Raquel Rivera, age 20, and Jay Johnson, age 22, were murdered, along with their one-year-old pit bull Labrador mix, December 9th of 1996. The sad thing is, the dog was shot initially one time, tried to save its owners, and then shot again fatally at close range by a couple of gang members. Apparently, these were a couple of young men that were in a Samoan gang. Um, George Tulifano, age 24, was one of the defendants. The other defendant... John Lulu Ali, long name. Um, so they used the PCR to identify the dog's blood on, I think it was one of the defendant's shirts. They went in. They burst into their home asking, demanding cash and drugs, which this young couple didn't have. That's, they weren't a part of that type of a life. So I don't know if it was mistaken identity or what. If it was just a random situation. Um, anyway, they were both shot multiple times. They died at the scene. The dog died about 30 hours later. And pretty sad they're both just starting their lives so i want everyone to research that case and, and and see how the pcr was used to convict those murderers because this was the first time a dog's dna was used in a murder case with the pcr thank you researcher helena greenwood did some work related to the PCR or with the PCR. And then later, it turns out her murder was solved using this technology. And I'm wondering if she was familiar with uh, Carrie Mullis. I assume she had to be. But it's pretty tragic. She was a young woman, successful, and... Uh, I, I believe she was raped and later her rapist murdered her to avoid her testifying against him, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, her name is Helena Greenwood, so 
gonna post that now. I actually posted a video, a rumble video, or was it bit shoot of this episode as I've seen it before, or part of it regarding the PCR. I'm gonna link that to this podcast as well.